Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, welcome in here on the early line. It is the grid, sportsgrid.com. Joe Neri alongside Dane Martinez on this Tuesday. As we uh, continue to plot along here, trying to make heads or tails of what was a unbelievable weekend in the world of sports. The best weekend we have had in, it feels like, forever, yeah. uh, forever, <laughs> where we actually had something to look forward to. We, uh, we were engaged. The ratings came out, Dane, and, and we had talked about it prior, going, wow, this is going to be... This is going to be a, a, a big time. This is probably going to be the most watched, uh, certainly the most watched draft we've ever seen. And uh, it delivered there. 55 million uh, people, a, uh, an almost 20% increase over last year, which had already set a record. That was in Nashville. And, of course, this year, the first virtual reality draft delivered on all fronts. And, and I find it amazing, too, Dane, that... Uh, <laughs> And it just goes to show you the media, and it drives me absolutely nuts. You had members, and I want everyone to remember this, okay? We had members of the NFL media, guys that cover the NFL day in and day out, been doing it forever. Guys like Adam Schefter, who just a few weeks ago blasted the NFL with how ridiculous it was them considering even going through with the draft, the most asinine thing he has ever heard in the world. You had other guys, I don't want to call them out by name, but I'll call them out on name. There were, of course, uh, a few other people there, like Peter King and others, who um, chastised on what an object failure this was going to be. It was amazing. Oh, yeah, it was a total mess. And yet, the people that matter uh, here, Dane, which are the consumers, um, the ones that actually pay their money, and the ones who will... the, The most valuable thing you can ever give anybody is your time. And the fact that 55 million people uh, sat and watched not just Thursday night, but Friday night, and then Saturday, all day Saturday, for a bunch of dudes who aren't going to make the team in all likelihood that nobody knows. But you know what? They, They soaked it up, which to me, I hope this is a message to all the other leagues and the commissioners and on down through the athletes that I know there's got to be a certain fear level with some of these leagues of being that league to go out there because they're afraid of what is going to be said about them on social media. The problem is Twitter and social media don't represent 300 million people. You know, if a, if a tweet thing gets a thousand replies on it and on 950 of them are negative towards the NFL, somebody else, you think like the whole world's against you. But the reality is 55 million people tuned in to watch something that many in the media criticized and said would never go off, was going to be a total wreck. How dare they now, now that the numbers are in, Dane, it's, wow, this was just the simplicity of it was amazing. What the NFL did, it was fantastic. They drive me absolutely crazy, Dane, because there's a handful of us that from the beginning are saying, you know what? Hats off to the NFL for at least giving us some sense of normalcy while everyone else is running scared. The sky is falling. The NFL is like, listen, we got a draft coming up. We're going to do it. We don't have to cancel any game. We're not going to do anything along those lines. We're going to go ahead and do it. And I hope they pave the way for other leagues like Major League Baseball, of course, and the NBA and so on and so forth, where don't be don't run the operation in fear of what the perception on social media will be. The, the American sports fans have spoken. 55 million of them told you everything they need to know about whether or not bringing sports back. As long as it's safe, right. there are going to be a, a number of people in this country who really don't care what those on Twitter and other places have to say. Yeah, I hear you. Good morning, Joe. You know, I think you're right. Social media, Twitter is really the vocal minority at times, right? And you can't have <laughs> tail wag the dog. I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. I will say, however, Joe, the idea of doing the virtual draft 
is different than bringing players together and congregating and gathering as per the quote-unquote health risk. But absolutely, the ratings are there. And we were talking about it going in, right? This was the only game in town. So you and I thought that they was going to do great ratings and increased numbers, right? Usually, in late April, on a Friday night, you know, when rounds mm-hmm. two and three is on, there's also an NBA playoff game on. There's also your favorite team playing a game in April when they still got right. a shot to contend, right? right? There's an NHL game on. There was nothing like that for the sports fan. So it was the only game in town. And I think that has a big part of the reason why there was such an increase. In fact, Joe, others are moving things around to get into this window when they're the only game in town. Remember the Jordan documentary? Yeah. was supposed to happen in June yep. to coincide with the NBA Finals, but they moved it up now. Why? Same theory. There's not a lot of stuff going on, and the sports fan will be hungry to consume this, and they are with the last dance. And that was part of the reasoning of holding this draft in the same way, giving yep. the people what they want. And boy, did they tune in. They tuned in in droves, and yeah. not to say that it's not an exciting uh, time regardless, but it's not the kind of attention that was paid to a draft in the format that it was, which was stripped down of all the glitz and glamour and everything else, where it was basically a 20-year-old, 21-year-old kid sitting on a couch with his parents uh, in the room he grew up in, you know, like hanging out going, hey, I just got... You know, instead of, you know, I was drafted in the number one pick, the number five pick overall in Vegas and partying, they're home in their living room with their parents. And and I think, yes, the simplicity, and I know they're already talking about continuing to take some of those elements that work really well uh, and moving forward with those in the draft. And I don't mind that because, again, you had the naysayers out there all month long leading up to this, telling you that this was going to be a total mess that nobody was going to nobody was going to appreciate this that you can't go from Nashville to Vegas oh not Vegas not a living room and it turns out it is exactly what we needed as sports fans and the NFL who sometimes is looked at as this corporate conglomerate where it's money 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 you know give us everything well you know they basically looked about as human as I think the NFL has ever looked like before, Dave. They could not have come off any better than they did, even with Goodell hanging out in the chair and and especially the athletes. I mean, having those kids at home, not all dressed up, you know, anybody that's ever been to a draft, Dane, and uh, I was to one when they used to be at Radio City Music Hall. And the whole thing is just awkward, man. You got everyone's in the green room. You can cut the tension with a knife. People are dressed up who don't own a suit, you know, and it's like they feel on the whole thing is just weird. And yet now they're at home. They're in their own environment. I mean, there was a lot to take away from that uh, broadcast and from everything that they did there that, you know what? Sometimes the glitz and the glamour, why it's nice. It's not always needed, Dane. I hear you. I mean, you just talked about the NFL being dominant by the bottom line, right? So they are not going to eschew the opportunity right. of, you know, half a million people going to like a fan fest throughout no, the week. And nor like, should they. That. No, sure. And that's going to happen, right. right? That is absolutely going to happen. This idea of like the, the, the draft picks, like walking the red carpet and right. the fashion element is something that I also don't necessarily think is going to go away anytime mm. soon. But I think you nailed it. The, the, the way it was all humanized, right? right? From Roger Goodell going from his suit down to his T-shirt by Saturday, eating his M&Ms in his couch. Like, it humanized even the commissioner who gets booed left and right. You know, yeah. the 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 GMs and the head coaches got humanized. You're high-fiving their kids, making a pick, right? Because they do so much work leading up to the draft, right? Trying to get the quote-unquote right guy. And, 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 and players who got drafted, in their living rooms, like you said, with their families, enjoying yep. the moment. I really believe, Joe, you know, I understand teams probably would want to, like, reestablish a quote-unquote war room, you know, for the draft so that they can communicate at all, and I understand that. But I really think that, you know, in years moving forward, we're going to see some players in a green room. Yep. We're going to see a lot of other webcam setups, you know, whether it be with team personnel or maybe players outside of the first round that get drafted. There will be this virtual element, and I think you're right. In this time and space, it was really good to humanize 
every element of the big conglomerate yep. monster of the NFL, like you said. And it, it's like clockwork, then. It's amazing, too. There is nothing worse than, you know, individuals or companies or groups that don't aren't willing to evolve and to try new things and to move with the times. And usually those people are very much left behind. And we see it in every sport, uh, especially when it comes to the scouting, where, you know, it used to be this old school idea in baseball, Dane, where the right. scouts like, I don't need numbers. I yeah, got yeah, my yeah. own eyes. And obviously I like <laughs> we see we see how that has evolved. And I think this was also for the NFL. A lot of the pushback I think the NFL was getting, uh, especially from organizations and teams, were from these old school minded general managers, yeah. scouting departments going, I didn't get a chance to go to it, Texas A's Pro Day. I didn't get yeah. a chance to do all my and then what they ended up finding out was they had a much better time watching more film doing it in a less stressful atmosphere where they can hang out with the kids, they can watch film, they can do this. And all of a sudden, many of them are like, you know what? It was a hell of a lot easier, a less more stressful. I was able to take better notes. I was able to evaluate guys better. It's amazing what we find out about ourselves when we're willing to go, you know what? Maybe it's time to do something a little bit different and let's try, why don't we try this? And that's why I hope Things like baseball, uh, Major League Baseball, even the NBA, do not be afraid to go against the grain and try something different, even if Twitter and social media tell you you're absolutely crazy for it. And go ahead, do what you're going to do. Try and live a little, because just like this, example number one, so many people are like, this is never going to work. Don't do it. We're going to... It could not have worked out any better. And, and I think that's a good lesson to learn, no matter what happens. Whether we play another game this year or not in any sport, it's a great lesson to learn and to remember that don't always be afraid to try something different because it's how you've always done it. You know something, Joe? And I don't want to get too grandiose here, but I really think that when we pop out of the other side of this pandemic, mm -hmm. the way we all work yeah. is going to look different. different. Like office life is going to look a lot different. The need to go into the office may look a lot different, not only for GMs and scouts, but for everybody that's ever sat in a cubicle, everybody that's ever done the evening commute. Yep. It may look a little bit different as we decide how to evolve as an entire society. And just get think about this, Joe. If we had done the draft last weekend the quote-unquote old way, we would have never seen Cliff Kingsbury's house. We would have never seen Jerry Jones' nope. yacht. We would have never seen Bill Belichick's dog. We would have never seen Vrabel's kids in costume. And the internet can go ahead and have fun with those people. Exactly now. correct, Dane. And that to me, and including, and they're just as much to blame, the, uh, the media that covers them, who just three weeks ago was blasting everybody for, what are you doing? This is terrible. Turns out that it's exactly what 55 million plus uh, we're exactly craving for and great. And same thing uh, with the Jordan uh, documentary, yeah. of course, which uh, we'll touch base on here coming up this morning. A lot of great lessons to take away from that. And it's also amazing for all of those that did not grow up with Jordan, right. uh, but grew up with Kobe the era after that, or even, you know, some, I mean, look at now in college freshman I don't think even saw Kobe play right now. I mean, they grew up with, it's, it's, please, it's like absolutely nuts. It's, it's more of a LeBron world for them, and that's fine. Uh, but I think it's also opening up a whole lot of eyes that greatness comes in a lot of forms, but greatness usually always has the same characteristics to it. Mentality. Mentality right. to it, work ethic to it, uh, a lot of lessons to be learned from that. We'll talk about the, that Jordan documentary and all the cast of characters, by the way that were in it and whether or not constructing a team like that today in the NBA would actually work like they had in the late nineties there with Jerry Krause and Reinsdorf and the rest of the Chicago Bulls. But we also heard of course, Dane, that we know that Jameis Winston uh, deal looks to be <clears throat> all but done at this point. Just, you know, as of, I don't know, as, as of, as we're sitting here right now, I do believe it's pretty much a done deal. Um, but, a lot of people also in naysayers about this. Like, what is what is what are the Saints doing? That's you just Hill, right? You just yeah. extended him. You just gave Breeze a two-year contract, you know, for fifty million. You just gave right. Jameis. 
That's a lot of money you're spending in the quarterback room for one guy who in all likelihood is going to retire after this year. And number two, there's no, there's nothing guaranteed about either of the other two guys you just gave money to being the franchise quarterback. So I don't hate the move and I love it for Jameis Winston. And I think the Saints realize Breeze ain't going to be here next. He's going to be on NBC, guys. He's going to take that paycheck. This is his last hurrah. I think they know it. And I think they're looking at, you know, at a young Jameis Winston still, maybe giving him a little structure. Maybe there is still an all-pro quarterback in there somewhere. Yeah, um, I think there's two pieces to this, Joe. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. Drew Brees is on the victory lap. We've already known, you know, that the networks are battling for his services, and he's kind of selected NBC. It's like a high school kid picking the right hat of what, what school they're committing to. He's going to go with NBC, right? The two things I think are at play here. For Jameis, I think this is great, okay, because you get to learn under Drew Brees. You get to be with Sean Payton, right? Quarterback play is such a function of the coaching and of the scheme. We talked about that going into the draft. And Teddy Bridgewater certainly looked better in New Orleans, certainly improved his stock, right? And Jameis may be able to do the same thing um, in New Orleans. The other thing I think this says, and you and I have said this before, Joe, I think it says that they know what Taysom Hill is. Right. Okay? And that Taysom Hill's biggest value to the, two th to the 2020 New Orleans Saints is not as QB2, right. not as the actual backup to Drew Brees. Because if he is the technical backup to Drew Brees, and you know this, I've said this a ton of times before, Joe, then he is not blocking punts. He's not That's on correct. end rounds. He's not lining up out wide. You know, and to be quite honest, Joe, the Saints needed Taysom Hill in that capacity a lot last year. I'm reminded of the playoff game, right? He was the best player on the field for this correct. Saints. And yep. I know Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas were there, too. Yep. Okay, so if they want to maintain Taysom Hill in that role, they needed to get a more traditional backup quarterback so they could, in essence, risk using Taysom Hill. Right. And so when you talk about the money spent in the quarterback room, I don't know if I consider Taysom Hill a quarterback when you talk about allocating the money to that position. But I love it for Jameis and his potential growth or reclamation yep. of his uh, reputation, shall we say. And I think the Saints are now ready to go to war, especially with Taysom Hill as the Swiss Army knife that yep. he uh, really has proven to be effective at. And I think much like um, Henry Ruggs benefited from the Tyreek Hill impact on uh, the NFL, I do think uh, that uh, Jalen Hurts is yeah. also benefiting from the Taysom Hill impact on the NFL. And we've always said it, guys, that the NFL is a copycat league. And what we saw in this year's draft is a couple of copycats that uh, maybe, though, a uh, little better, a little more improved, a little bigger than what the original was. It'll be interesting to see how those two teams utilize those weapons. But much to get to here uh, this morning. We'll continue to dive into some of our uh, favorite moves from the draft. Some of these teams we'll take a look at. Uh, what do they do now? Are any of these teams going to be better off now than they were a year ago? Talk about it. Coming up here on the grid at sportsgrid.com. It's the early line. He's Dane Martinez. I'm Joe Ranieri. We'll be back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in. Here it is, the early line on the grid. It is SportsGrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez here as we continue to dissect and dive into the 2020 NFL draft, where now that the weekend has come and gone, uh, reality about to set in here for a whole lot of 20, 21, 22-year-old kids here, Dane, are about to embark on a professional career in the NFL. And for NFL fans, we all get to sit back, and uh, certainly as, uh, as handicappers, we get to kind of sit back and go, all right, um, let's take a look now, let's take a step back and look at some of the pieces that were taken and whether or not we think in the grand scheme of things, now that free agency is, has come and gone, and there are still a couple of names that are still out there, of course, yeah. and there'll be a guessing game with that. But for the most part, we have a pretty good idea of who's switching teams. And with the draft now in place, then we can really start to formulate some ideas about what we right. think the direction of some of these teams are in. 
and also even from a fantasy perspective, uh, some of the teams that we think are going to be, uh, well, they're going to be monsters, uh, in, in certainly from an offensive perspective. Yeah. And uh, I'll start by asking this. By the way, we've got a whole bunch of undrafted free agents that are now on teams as well. Some names that you guys absolutely know. We'll go over that coming up, too, to see if maybe there is, and there always is, and I love these, the undrafted guys, because they, they tend to always work that much harder, Dane, yeah. that much more pissed off that they weren't drafted to begin with. So I think it is a good opportunity there for some of them. And, you know, some of these guys get a pretty decent paycheck, too, as well, by, uh, by coming there and, and being able to have an opportunity to make the team. And I've always said it, too, Dane, you know, if you were drafted in, like, if I'm Jake Fromm or if I'm getting drafted in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round, I'd almost rather not be drafted. Yes. And you're right. And I'd yeah. rather be an undrafted free agent yeah. because at least I can got choose. Yeah, I've got yeah, options. Right. I want to play. So I mean, at yeah. least I can go to a play. I, if I did, if yeah. I did, you know, if I'm signed by a team that really I'm just there because I they didn't want somebody else to get them, yes. it kind of screws me. So I do yeah. think there's some of that that happened as well. Um, but when you look at just let's start with the quarterback. Okay. All right. And and uh, your background, of course, with the uh, with with fantasy football. Which one of the quarterbacks taken here do you think is going to have the biggest fantasy impact this year? Um, it, it, let's assume they all play. All right. Let's just so which one of you are you looking at going? Is Joe Burrow a must draft uh, in your mind? Yeah. Now we of course you don't draft quarterbacks until round Correct. eighty anyway, but. Is he a draftable quarterback, do you think, in, in fantasy football? Which one is in your mind? Out of the quarterbacks for this year, mm -hmm. I think actually Herbert would be the best fantasy quarterback. And let me tell you why. Um, it is, for me, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the calculation is not only about the quarterback themselves, right. right? But about the offense that they are in, right? And the weapons that they have around them. And for Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, I think it's going to be a long road to hope. <laughs> Joe, I really do. And one of the things we said in our draft coverage is the Bengals gave up 48 sacks last year, okay? And they didn't necessarily address the offensive line as much as I would have liked. Yes, they have, uh, as you mentioned yesterday, Jonah Williams coming back from injury with right. a first-round draft pick. But I don't care who you are, Joe. I don't care what quarterback you are, especially a rookie, right? Like, if you're going to be under pressure the whole time, I, I, I think that is a challenge. I'll say similar things for Tua Tagovailoa. I also don't know with his injury. I also think that Ryan Fitzpatrick may hold the fort down for, say, the first month of the season, let's right. say. Herbert, though, I think has dropped into the most dynamic offense, okay? Herbert has, you know, Keenan Allen, has Mike Williams, has Hunter Henry, has Austin Eckler. Like, if I ask you which of those three are the best offense, I think it's obvious that it is the Chargers, and I think that means Herbert will have you know, best production. I can understand the case, though, for Burrow in terms of fantasy for just garbage time. Right. They're going to be down, we think, in a lot of games, and that's where you can accumulate some fantasy points as well. But I think if they all play, I think Herbert is in the best offense and would be the best short-term buy as for fantasy football purposes. But I think all of them would not be someone that I would take as my top 12 quarterbacks in a league only in a two quarterback league would that be uh relevant right and it's funny too because you had uh you had mentioned after the draft and, and pointed out that maybe the the three-tier running back committee is uh, yeah, is going to be the future of what the nfl is and if that's the case the days of the zeke elliott and saquon barkley's of the world even christian mccaffrey who you know yeah. let's face it you you've paid him uh to be a producer there uh, which one of these running backs do you think is in the best position uh, from a fantasy perspective this year? Because a lot of them went to teams that, right. do they really need a running back? Or yeah. is there anybody that you think was drafted that might be in a position to really stand out this year? I do. Um, but first to your point, right, this idea of what I'm now calling the RBB3 instead of the mm -hmm. RBBC, the committee. The committees are bigger now, mm -hmm. okay? And we've seen this. The San Francisco 49ers had a three-headed monster, right? The New England Patriots have like four running backs that they can rotate around. It's been a joke in fantasy football for a while. You know, you don't want any Patriots running back because you never know which one is going to score the touchdown or be the focus right. in a given week. I will say, too, 
uh, that I like. You know, I mentioned on yesterday's show that I was all about Edward Solaire, and yeah. I, he was going to be someone that I was going to be on. But now he's on the Chiefs, so everybody's going to be on him. I think in a PPR setting, he's going to be great. Okay? Not a steal. He's not a steal anymore. Exactly. That's the part that pisses me off. It really does. You can hear me say this about 20 times in the next few months. Yep. But in any event, two guys that I think are primed and ready to uh, outperform maybe their value. One is DeAndre Swift. Listen, he was the top running back off the board, but I like yep. the situation he is in in Detroit. Okay, they have Carry on Johnson. We saw guys like Bo Scarborough last year as well. But Carry on Johnson has injury concerns, you know, the durability concerns. He has been banged up. So for me, the path to Swift being like the main guy in Detroit is clear. I can see that path, you know, and then I think he could be able to take advantage of it. The other running back I'll talk about real quickly is Keyshawn Vaughn. Okay. okay, the third round pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think he is going to fill a very specific role. And it will be that pass-catching third-down back role, okay? And think about what Brady has done in the past with guys like James White, mm -hmm. guys like Deion Lewis, guys like Rex Burkhead mm -hmm. and others. I think Keyshawn Vaughn slips into that role, whereas um, Jones is still kind of the in-between-the-tackles early down back. And Tampa Bay really only has two now. Vaughn is the second guy. Whereas, for example, Jonathan Taylor joins a committee of three mm -hmm. with Hines and Mack, where Cam Akers joins a committee of three with Henderson and Malcolm Brown, right? So I like where Swift wounds up, and I really like what I see as the potential utilization of Keyshawn Vaughn in Tampa. So, you know, that leads us, of course, to the, uh, to the next question uh, yeah. regarding wide receivers. Uh, and we know there. this was a uh, loaded draft with wide receivers, a lot of talent, a uh, lot of records broke. Again, wide receivers in the first round, second round, a lot of running backs in the second round, I think, which tells you everything you need to know about uh, the running back position and how it's viewed in the NFL. Uh, but as far as first round talent, as far as wide receivers go, there's a lot to choose from here. And while, listen, Judy fell to Denver. Ruggs went first to the Raiders, right? C.D. Lamb is in Dallas now. Um, Jefferson going to, of course, Minnesota. You know, you yeah. look at a Mims in, in New York with the Jets. Which one of these guys, though, is really in the best spot to be a huge fit? Because a lot of these guys are going to be number two. Let's be realistic right. here. So who would, you know, which one of them do you have the most confidence in as the guy to be able to be a, a fantasy stud right out of the gate? Sure. So, again, uh, I'm trying to clue you into the terms you're going to hear me talk about in fantasy mm -hmm. all the time, right, with the RBBC or what have you. The other thing I call, Joe, is a fantasy herd. Okay, mm -hmm. and a fantasy herd is a good thing for the NFL team, right? right? Like, think about the Rams wide receivers in years past, right? You had Cooks, you had Cup, you had Woods. That's good for the Rams, but that's bad for the fantasy owner, Joe, right? Because one week, Robert Woods will go seven for 153. The next week, Cooper Cup will do that. The next week, right. you know, um, Brandon Cooks will get two touchdowns. So that's good for the real-life team, but bad for the fantasy team, right? So for fantasy... For example, CeeDee Lamb is an incredible wide receiver, but he's sharing targets with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. Right. Same thing with Jerry Judy in Denver now with Cortland Sutton, both tight ends, Melvin Gordon. So from a fantasy perspective, I think you have to be the stud player, but also in a offense or in an environment where you have a clear path to targets, okay? Mm -hmm. So there's a couple that I'll give you. One, I believe, is the Colts' second-round pick, Michael Pittman, mm. out USC, I think the Colts are going to be a more explosive offense. You know what Frank Reich wants, wants to do. You know how Phillip Rivers likes to sling it. They have T.Y. Hilton and has been searching for that number two, and they went out and got him in Michael Pittman, and he's kind of your taller outside wide receiver, while T.Y. Hilton can be the Y and the more uh, savvy route runner. So I really like the prospect for Pittman. You, like, you, you mentioned Denzel Mims. I think he has a shot to do something out of the gate. And then the other uh, wide receiver that I will mention is Justin Jefferson in mm. Minnesota. Remember, he gets to take up all the targets that Stefan Diggs used to have. Adam Thielen is on the wrong side of 30 as well. So I can see a route to Justin Jefferson being, you know, one of the top targets for Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. So Jefferson and Pittman, because of the situation and the share of targets that they may get, 
I think, are ready to go in fantasy to hit the ground running. Now, Judy and Lamb, they'll be great, but they'll be a piece of the puzzle for their respective teams. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I, I do think T. Higgins will end up getting way more fantasy points than people probably think because a lot of his stuff time. is going to be garbage <laughs> time. time. You and I both know it. So I do think he's got some value. And I think Ruggs is going to be a guy that's hit or miss. You're yeah. either going to get he's 30 points from him in a game or you're going or he's yeah. going to have two catches for minus 12 ball. yards. Joe, okay, That's so it. it's a best ball format where you don't have to like right. start or bench guys that just mm -hmm. automatically take the best ones. Yep. And that's the kind like a Deshaun Jackson or yep. a Will Fuller, right? Yeah, that's dynasty kind of guy. I get it. There but, are going to be some weeks where he's going to blow up and right. help you win your week. And then there's going to be other weeks where he goes two for 14. He's going to be a mess. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So you got to figure out which week yep. those are. Yep. Yeah. And they, uh, and they stocked up on wide receivers. So they're going to be throwing the ball a little bit there in, yeah. uh, in Las Vegas with the Raiders. So it's, uh, it's interesting. I thought that uh, all in all with those uh, position makers, it was a terrible year for tight ends. I mean, I, and I still don't understand what the hell, Chicago, Chicago was doing. Um, yeah. You know, they've already they paid guys on their roster now, Joe. They have 10 tight ends on I their know. active roster. And then they spend their first pick on another tight end after signing Jimmy Graham to like 16 million last week. I don't I, I don't get any of it. But uh, but that's Chicago for you. So I don't necessarily I'm not necessarily convinced, of course, that uh, Chicago has any idea what they're doing anyway. And especially at the quarterback position, yeah. because. There is, and I can't believe we find ourselves in this spot, but here we are, guys, that uh, when did we get to the point where Cam Newton is not good enough to be a starter in this league? Uh, because yeah, that's interesting. It, it's, that's kind of where we're at, and I'm going to assume he's healthy, like, and, and I think we all yeah. should. He's healthy, but yet there are very limited opportunities for him in this NFL, which is mind-blowing to me. Because you got places like Chicago going, yeah. he's not better than Foles or 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 Trubisky. Like you obviously ain't picking up Trubisky's option. I mean, let's be realistic; that's not going to happen. Foles is a career backup. We know that, despite the ring. Um, I, I don't know what they're doing, and I don't know where Cam Newton is going to be a fit where he can go in. He can go be a backup anywhere he wants, but he wants to start. I mean, let's right. be realistic. I don't know where he can do that. I really don't. I have a couple of ideas. Mm -hmm. I know we're coming up on the break. I'd like to talk through this with you in our next segment because I think, like, you know, and, and the odds have obviously moved. We've talked about how after the draft, right, as another marker on the calendar, mm -hmm. some teams will address their needs, others won't, and we'll see kind of where the – what chairs are left, right, in the game of musical chairs. There's a couple of obvious answers. I don't necessarily think I'm going to go the obvious route. Mm -hmm. I have an opinion that I'd like to discuss with you for more time than we have right now in this segment. So I definitely want to attack that when we come back. One last quick point, Joe. You mm -hmm. talk about how the Raiders threw a lot of stuff up against the wall in terms of the wide receiver position, right? Yeah, they did. And you also talk about um, the, the evolution of the quarterback position with Jalen Hurts and some others going this way. Taysom Hill we talked about yep. earlier in the show. I do want to make the point that one of the players the Raiders drafted, Lynn Bowden Jr. Mm -hmm. out of Kentucky, is listed as a wide receiver, Joe. Right. But he was also the team's starting quarterback. Okay, he was also the starting quarterback at Kentucky. Okay, so um, he's listed as a wideout, but could be another one of those Swiss Army knife options, uh, even for the Raiders. This is becoming more in vogue, whether you're Taysom Hill, Jalen Hurts, or even another, um, maybe a lesser known option that can do that in Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky. The, um, the odds for Cam Newton, Joe, uh, kind of have the Patriots and the Jaguars as your favorites, right? And when you look at the openings out there, okay, fine, will they actually go with Jared Stidham? Will they actually go with Gardner Minshew? We've talked about how, like, uh, yeah, all the all the quarterbacks are first or second round picks or third round picks. These are the only places where the current technically starting quarterback that we expect is a draft pick below the third round, right? To them in the fourth, and of course Minshew in the sixth. Oh, by the way, if you're not named Tom Brady, so I understand those are the other ones. But I got a I got a different the idea. Problem is the Jags don't want to win games. That's right. Like that they don't. There's no way they want to win that's games. Right. Zero I, games. I think their next quarterback is Trevor Lawrence. Right. You know, and that's what I'm thinking, that's what man. They want. Yep. So I don't think they want 
a guy like Cam Newton no. who all of a sudden by just is exactly it, they can win five games. Makes no know, sense. Six games and then they're out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. I agree with you. I have an idea that I'd like to bounce off you on the other side of the break. I think it warrants more yep. than a minute. We'll do it here, guys. Try to figure out what does it mean. We know where Winston's going. Good spot yeah. for him. Great opportunity for him to bounce back and carve himself out. Uh, and we always said he was going to have a long career in the NFL if he wanted, even just as a backup. But uh, might be a good opportunity for him to kind of go into a place there and be able to take the reins. But Cam Newton, here we are. Uh, you know, we are uh, coming up on Maine. Cam Newton is not good enough to be a starter on a team, apparently, somewhere, which is mind-blowing. We'll talk more about that coming up next year as we continue on the early line. It is The Grid. It is SportsGrid.com. We'll be back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, guys. Welcome back in. Here it is, the early line on the grid. It is SportsGrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez as... Uh, we continue to push through here. A lot of questions remain uh, for your favorite NFL teams. And when we last spoke, Dane, it was funny. We were talking about we're actually in a point right now, which I never thought that we'd get. But it's hard to believe we're at a point right now in that there is not room for Cam Newton on a NFL team to be a starter right now. We talked about it a little bit, how the – traditional fits that we might think Jacksonville being one of them is not really a good fit because Jacksonville is tanking for Trevor Lawrence guys. Yeah. And if you think anything other, you're out of your mind, they have no intentions of winning games. I also don't happen to think that Cam Newton is cut from the cloth where he'd be happy just to be a backup somewhere. Uh, I, he's going to want to go where he can play. And if we went down it, Dan, honestly, if we went sure. down a dozen teams right now, I guarantee you of those dozen teams and start at the top working our down, there would be of the top 12 teams in the NFL, at least half where I would say, give me Cam Newton over yeah. who the quarterback is right now. Right. And we're in a spot right now where we're, we're all trying to figure out where's Cam Newton going to go. And we're looking at each other going, well, he can't go there. Well, he's not going to go there. He can't go there. He's not going right. to, it's kind of crazy. And I know you said you got, you got an angle on this where you're looking here. And I think we both agree Jacksonville they ain't about winning, so that ain't going to work. So where else do you see Cam landing here this year? Sure. So, Joe, here's the thing, right? We always knew that after the draft, phones would start to ring, right? Yeah. Depending on if teams fulfilled their needs or not. Correct. You know, Jameis's phone has rung already. There was heavy movement in those kind of speculative odds around Cam Newton. Our good friend and colleague, Ariel Epstein, also pointed out that the, the numbers for the New England Patriots seem to drop tremendously. They are now minus 190 favorites to have Cam Newton, but that's not where I think he's going either. To be quite honest, I think Jacoby Brissett could find his way back to New England, given the fact that the Colts drafted Jacob Eason as a fit underneath Phillip Rivers, but I digress. You know, yesterday, Joe, I talked about how um, the draft moves that a few teams made had all the eyes go on the quarterback. I mentioned that in Dallas with Dak. The other place I mentioned it, Joe, was the Denver Broncos and Drew Locke. Mm. And I Denver would be a very interesting fit, okay? You and I both talked yep. about it. They loaded up, right? They got the wide receiver in the first round. They even got K.J. Hamler. They have an emerging Cortland Sutton. They got him the running back in Melvin Gordon. Dual tight ends. Now, here's the deal. Drew Locke looked just fine in limited action, Joe. Mm -hmm. Small sample size at the end of the year, right? And we know that this team has a defense. We know that this team now has weapons. So, sure, maybe you turn over the keys to the car to Drew Locke. But... Do we really think that – do we really know that he's ready to take the keys to the car and lead this franchise? Right. I'm not sure. He could, but I think Denver could be a very interesting landing spot for Cam Newton. All the weapons are there. He's got a defense. And quite frankly, if I'm Cam Newton and I look around, you talk about Jacksonville, yeah, 
even New England. Mm -hmm. I look at what Denver is bringing to the table with skill positions, and and if I'm Cam, I think that's a better situation even than Jacksonville or New England. And right now on the odds, they are the fourth choice. Joe, it's 10 to 1, obviously, the New England and the Jacksonville. A lot of people think that. I keep an eye on Denver. Mm. I think that could be an interesting fit. The only path, the only thing blocking the path there is Drew Locke. And are we truly convinced that he's the man there in Denver? I'm not so sure. What do you think, Joe? I, you know, then I don't have a problem with it. Um, but it's kind of... John Elway is forever now tied into Drew Locke. Because John Elway made the decision that Drew Locke was going to be his guy last year after blowing Paxton Lint, not, well, you know, not making a really good decision on Paxton. He has not been able, and we've all laughed at him over the years going, how does one of the game's greatest all-time quarterbacks not be able to figure out the quarterback position on his own team? In fact, he didn't find Peyton Manning, all right? He managed to bring Peyton Manning in, but it wasn't like he discovered him and cultivated him. So it's been a tough go over him. He's tied into this kid, uh, Drew Locke. And what do you do when you have a young quarterback like Drew Locke? What do you do in a draft? You go out and get this kid as many damn weapons as humanly possible to try to get it. So I get it, right? I don't know what the backup situation in Denver is right now. It's probably, it ain't Falco. Um, we know that. But I have, an, I have one other team that to me will always be there. And... They're the one wild card here. It's the only place that I could absolutely see it happening. The only option I think is left. I don't see it in, in New England, guys. I no, do not see it working in New England. Me neither. The Las Vegas Raiders are the only other team. I can't 100% say that ain't going to happen. Like, I, Gruden and company, that is the only place I can see where I can't fully discount every other place, too much money, salary, too much, too many other things tied into it. Yeah. The Raiders are the ones to me, I think are the, are the one wild card here oh. where would you be shocked if we found out next week, the Raiders just signed Cam Newton to a one-year deal. I would not be surprised. Okay. And right. one of the things I've also been kind of feeling my spidey senses are tingling. Mm -hmm. That car is not, necessarily long for that franchise I okay agree. we talked about they brought in Mariota I think that could be the bridge low-cost option I thought they might have gone quarterback at some level of the draft they ultimately did not I do think that's possible um by the way Joe Jeff Driscoll is the backup quarterback in Denver right now so I don't think that necessarily moves the needle I'll give you one other franchise that really has to start thinking about this and it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Am I sure about Ben and his arm and his elbow? And right. even if I am, the man is, what, 38, 39 years old. They need to think about succession planning in the same way that the Chargers did, in the same way that the Giants did, in the same way that we've seen with Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. I thought Winston was going to be a place for potentially the Steelers. They still need a medium-term answer. Big Ben is definitely there yeah. right for now, but he's coming off of major surgery and is a bearded 38-year-old, right? So there's a, there is a potential that it doesn't play out that well in Pittsburgh. Right. But to your point, Joe, right now, our friends over at FanDuel, those are the teams that they've talked about, okay, in, in, in order, Joe. It's New England, followed by Jacksonville, followed by the Steelers are the third choice, who I just mentioned, followed by the Broncos at 10 to 1, followed by the Bears, which is interesting, and then your Raiders that you brought up. So for me, listen, you're right. When you talked about like 12 teams yep. could see Cam as an upgrade. If Cam is healthy, he is. He is a quarterback that is above the fold and can help lead a team instead of being kind of a passenger on the plane, okay? I think we have to acknowledge that. And so, you know, he is still out there. I actually believe Cam should think about what situation benefits him the most. Right. And that's why I bring up Denver, because they certainly shoved all in with the weapons. Uh, they really did. And, and I give them credit, because when you start going down, the list, even in that division there, when you look at the Chargers, the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Broncos, I mean, let's face it, that's going to be, that's not going to be a cakewalk for the, uh, for the uh, Chiefs here this year. They're always, that's going to be a, uh, a, a hard-nosed fight. You're going to have, obviously, a couple of younger quarterbacks in Denver and in, uh, in the Chargers. And, of course, the Chiefs are going to have the $400 million quarterback there with uh, 
uh, with Mahomes, defending champion. And then you're going to have, what do the Raiders do? Is it Carr? Is it Mariota? Now, I will say this. I, I was not surprised at all with Mariota, the Raiders, from the standpoint of uh, prior to being the GM of the Raiders, Mike Mayock used to do the drafts, and, and you right. know that. Yeah. He loved Mariota coming out of college. When I tell you guys sure. love, it was kind of creepy how much love he had for him and really did love him more than Jameis Winston. So right. I think it didn't surprise me that when Mayock went out, really did think we know Gruden thinks he can fix every quarterback. Um, and listen, it wasn't like Mariota. I think Mariota and Winston are similar from the standpoint of they both got raw deals. They went to two franchises in total turmoil, different yeah. head coaches, different coordinators, never really giving themselves an opportunity to be able to kind of latch on and develop. And I think a lot of that showed in their play in the first five years, which is why now, he's, you know, James is a backup in New Orleans and Mariota is going to try to go. Uh, into a place where if Gruden is half as good as he thinks he is, he'll be able, Mariota will have an opportunity at some point to be able to win some games for the Raiders and reinvent themselves. But when you're looking at Cam Newton out there going, I know Cam Newton better than either of those two quarterbacks on the Raiders. I know yeah. he's better than Drew Locke. Um, hell, I know he's better than Baker Mayfield. I mean, I could, we could honestly go down, Dave, if we counted, yeah. We can honestly go down outside of maybe a half a dozen teams. I think that's a good question, right? Right. Like, seed Cam Newton almost. And without actually going through the exercise, which maybe we should do in hour number two. I'm just saying. I'll over under for you right now. Go ahead. Over under as the, I don't think, Joe, we will agree on, I'll call it 10 and a half. I'll call it 10 and a half. Do you okay. think we can agree on 10 quarterbacks we'd rather have than Cam Newton. I think it's going to be around 9, 10, or 11. Let's play wow. the game in our number two. I agree with you on Mariota and even Winston to a certain extent, right. right? One of the things we said in our draft coverage, I remember when Joe Burrow got drafted number one, one of the points I made is Joe Burrow was only half of the puzzle, right? The other part is the coaching staff, the scheme, and all that stuff. And think about Marcus Mariota. He literally, Joe, was on a team for, you know, two or three of his first years where they were nicknamed exotic smash mouth as an offensive philosophy, right? So think about that. Jameis Winston as well had multiple offensive coordinators to try to learn under. That's so, correct. So the idea of a clean slate for them, you know, the cover does not bear there. They may be able to really surprise, but I don't know, Joe, I think we should go through it at some point. I'm going to set the number at 10 and a half in terms of teams where Cam Newton, we would, would, not be an upgrade for what they currently have under center. You're, I'm shocked you went that high because to All me, right, well, the number would be seven. I would okay. say okay. no more than if we could find seven quarterbacks right. that we think in this league would rather. I think that's that seven and a half number is where I would like look. Name that tune, Joe. All right, well, you know what? We're going to start. Let's just start with the AFC right. East right off the bat. All right. All right, All right. Let's start there. We'll start at the top with uh, the Miami Dolphins yeah, who just drafted two. Wait, I have a question for you, though. Are we taking age and experience? No, right now, starting this year, right who now. would you rather start this year? Everybody's fully healthy, all right? Everybody's fully sure. healthy. Would you rather go with a rookie in Tua, or would you rather have Cam Newton if you had your, uh, if you had your pick this year to play a fully healthy Cam or a fully healthy uh, rookie Tua right now? Give me Cam. Give me Cam. Agreed. Boom. That's one. Yeah. New England Patriots. Do we really Give even have camp. this conversation? Give That's two. Camp. Yeah, Give that's two. Uh, the New York Jets. Would you rather have, and this is kind of, we, we'll skip that because we're both homers and there's no <laughs> way we would not pick Sam Darnold here. Uh, but how about the Buffalo Bills? This is interesting. Would yeah. you rather have Josh Allen or would you rather have Cam Newton? And this is why I asked you, like, our age and stuff like that. If I was building a team, I'd well, rather yeah, No, no, no. This year, starting this, this year. year. I think Josh Allen is right on the line. This is right on the line. I'd put Ooh. them on the same. All right, so you put a half. We'll give so, it a half. We'll give it a half. A Fine. half. A tie a is half. a half. All right, so good. So we got a half. So in the AFC East, sure. we had uh, one no, one half, and two absolutes, right? Yeah. I, I give me two halves. Let's All right, be, two let's, halves. Let's be real. Let's be kind of objective. I'll okay. put Sam Arnold in the same place as Josh Allen. Give me two halves and two no's. Two no's. Perfect. Okay. Next, we'll move on to the AFC North. Baltimore Ravens. No. Would you rather have Lamar or him? 
Or you got Lamar. Okay, I'll give you that. That's the first one, Joe, that we are like, absolutely, we'd rather this other person than Lamar. Besides the Jets and Sam Darnold, but that's because our homer isn't there. But okay, so that's good. So, so far, Baltimore in the north, no. How about the Cincinnati Bengals? A rookie Joe Burrow or Cam? Give me Cam over any Cam, I'm with you there. Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield or a healthy Cam Newton? He's a half. Give me a half. Oh, you're a cheese ball. No. Lee Pine, out, give Baker, Cam. out. Give me Cam. Give me Cam. I, got, I got Cam there. Cam. Steelers, a 40-year-old um, quarterback. Give me, in, uh, give I, give me Cam. Cam. All right, we're on the same page there. Move on to the AFC South. Houston Texans. No, I'll take Deshaun Watson. I'm Thanks with you. Indianapolis Colts, a 40-year-old uh, Philip Rivers. Cam. Give me Cam. I'm with you there. Jacksonville, Jack Cam. Cam. Tennessee Titans, Cam. Give me Cam. Give me Cam. AFC West, Denver Broncos. Cam. Cam. Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, Mahomes. Raiders. Would I rather have Carr or Cam? Give me Cam. Cam. Chargers. uh, Rookie Herbert or? Give me Cam Cam again. Now, that's in the AFC. Three teams in the AFC, Joe. Three total in the AFC, right? Ironically, it's the same three names I was talking about all last season. What a shock. What What? a shock. Okay, let's go. What a shock. All right, let's go. NFC now here quickly. We'll finish this up on the other side and tally it up. Let's start at NFC East, Dallas Cowboys. Cam or Dak Prescott? That's a half. Give me the half. You're going to go a half there. All right. Uh, Giants. Would you rather have Cam or Daniel Jones? Give me Cam. Give me Cam. How about the Eagles? Would you rather have Carson Wentz or Cam Newton? I'm going to make the assumption that if if I have to make the assumption that Cam is healthy, then I'll make the assumption that Carson Wentz would be healthy. Yes, absolutely. I'll take Wentz. I'll take Wentz. I'd, I'd give it a half. Let's okay. go to the Washington Redskins. Uh, w- ch- yeah, okay, good. Cam, next. Uh, let's go to the NFC North. Chicago, Cam. Cam. Uh, Detroit Lions, Stafford or Cam? Cam. Oof, that's good, man. I'd give well, it a half. I'd give that well, a half, too. I can see that being a half. I like Cam, though. I, Aaron Rodgers or Cam Newton? For one year? Yes. Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Minnesota Vikings, Cam, Cam. NFC South. Let's go with Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan or Cam Newton? I'm not as high on Matt Ryan as a lot of people are. Cam, good. I'm with you. Uh, Carolina Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater or Cam Newton? Carolina Carolina thinks Teddy Bridgewater. I think Cam Newton. I'm with you there. New Orleans Saints will go with Breeze. Tampa Bay Bucks will go with Brady. I'll take Brady. In the West. Go ahead. Cardinals or Murray. Would you go Kyler Murray or Cam Newton? This is the age thing again. I'll say Kyler Murray. Kyler you Murray. You know I'm big on Kyler. You know I'm big Goff on or, Goff or Cam? Oh, Cam. Cam, okay. 49ers there. Uh, Garoppolo or Cam? Quick. Imagine Cam in that scheme. Give me Cam. All right, Cam. Well, Seattle Seahawks, we'll add it all up. We'll give you the results on the top half of hour number two. We'll do that next year on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 